Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I begin today's show with a bargain. And when I say bargain, I don't mean deal, although I guess in one way it kind of is. This is not the kind of thing that you you know buy on a discount. I'm talking about an agreement with you that I'm willing to try to make here. Here's my bargain for you. I'm going to talk for a few minutes about something, and there is going to be a portion of the audience that is tempted to respond, oh, more rat poison for UGA, more rat poison for the defense in particular. Some people, that's just kind of their reaction to some of that kind of stuff uh, right now. And so here's my bargain for those folks that endure this, if you can, for a few minutes. And then before the show is done, for everybody, I will give you the exact opposite of rat poison. Because believe it or not, as much as Georgia's kind of riding high right now, as well as things are going, I still do have one, I would say, fairly con- uh, significant concern about Georgia and this Saturday's game against Kentucky. I'll tell you about that before the show is done. It's the opposite of rat poison for those of you that feel like you need that. But to start with, something that could be described by some as rat poison, it is more praise for the Georgia defense. Now, admittedly here, I'm not smart enough to totally understand all of this. And I'm going to talk about it anyway because I think it's important to do so. But I'm not quite smart enough to... To, to necessarily explain exactly what all this means, but I'm going to do my best. There is an analytics website called 538. Analytics is simply just a word for like fancy stats, big time mathematical stuff. And here's the headline. Alex Kirshner's the writer. He's a college ball writer that's written from a number of other you know, outlets o- over the course of time. But here's the headline at 538 about the Georgia defense. It says, Georgia's defense isn't just good. It might be best ever good so in the piece here at 538.com which is like you know nate silver he's always on tv talking politics things like that this is the site that he started so there's a lot of like math oriented people that work there and Kirshner says and he's going to use some stats to back this up that the georgia's defense might be in 2021 the best ever defense in college football and what Kirshner says is the high water comparison here is alabama in 2011 and over the course of this piece, Kirshner goes through to make a case for why Georgia in 2021 is on pace to surpass what Alabama produced in 2011 from a defensive standpoint. There's one quote that kind of stood out to me more than anything else as a way of kind of providing a synopsis of the entire thing. Let me show you this quote from Alex Kirshner here, 538.com, who says that repeatedly and across different metrics, the picture is clear. 21 Bama has been the gold standard for college football defense, and 2021 Georgia is threatening that standing to an unprecedented extent. Once again, Alex Kirchner, 538.com, saying that the Georgia defense might be the greatest of all time. Now, I want to read you a couple of different things here. One of these is about like the statistical stuff that he uses, and try not to gloss over your eyes on this too much, because I think we'll get to something kind of interesting, and then something else, a little bit more direct point about Kirby Smart in comparison to that 2011 Alabama program that he was also the defensive coordinator for. So Kirschner says the number one ranked dogs have given up 33 points in six games, all wins. Nobody scored more than 13 on Georgia, and two have scored nothing at all. Georgia's defense has given up two touchdowns, the same amount as it scored. It's also added to safety. Think about that for a moment. Right now, 
the Georgia defense actually scored more points uh, than it's allowed, at least from a touchdown and safety standpoint. Pretty remarkable. He says the Bulldogs 5.5 points allowed per game would be the fewest of the century ahead of 2011 Alabama at a uh, 0.15. Now, he also says this. This will be the last sentence I read from the section. Lest anyone think it's strictly a result of an early season schedule, Georgia's points allowed per game actually drops to 5.2 against Power 5 teams only compared with 7.8 points per game for Alabama. Now, the big fancy stat that in 538 is always going to have some sort of like crazy analytics thing that, you know, uh, sort of normal folks sometimes have a hard time understanding but here's the big fancy stat that that he uses and I think this tells an interesting story there is a stat in college football called expected points allowed right it's like uh or, um or you know it, it's basically given the position you are on the field and given the performance that you're providing what is the likelihood that where you are the play that you're producing what's the likelihood it's going to produce points right and so Georgia's EPA allowed per play is a minus .35. Who knows what that means? But it would put them better than Alabama in 2011. The point is, you read all this, the statistical stuff, it sounds like Georgia statistically is on its way to potentially being better than 2011 Alabama was. But let me give you, um, let me give you one more thing here that I think is a little bit easier to understand and maybe a little bit more important in all of this. This is where you kind of get some away from some of the stats. Just look at the product, the, the production on the field. 21 Georgia compared to 2011 Alabama, which Kirshner says is the previous high-water mark for college football defense. He writes that the most important area in which Smart has copied Saban is recruiting. Alabama was a singular recruiting force for most of Saban's tenure, signing up the country's number one class every year from 2011 to 2017, according to the 24-7 sports composite team ranking. He says the Tide are still mega elite, and in 2021, they signed the highest rated class in the history of recruiting rankings. However, over the past half decade, the Dogs have joined the Tide in the highest tier of player acquisition. Now, it's that word copied that I think is pretty interesting. Kirschner saying that Georgia has copied Alabama's recruiting success. Isn't it? true that what Georgia really did is simply stole Alabama's recruiting success? Because we talked about this in SEC Country Live yesterday, and as predicted, a lot of Alabama fans don't like to hear this. And Matt Hayes wrote about this at Saturday on South the other day, that what you see happening when Alabama's giving up a bunch of points to Zach Calzada and Texas A&M and a bunch of rushing yards to a Florida team that up to that point had not really had a reputation for running against anybody, what you see is the elite talent that used to populate the Alabama defense all of a sudden, a lot of that, think about five-star this and five-star that, all these guys that are on the Georgia defense right now. Those are guys that maybe would have been Alabama in years past, but they are at Georgia because the guy who used to be at Alabama, Kirby Smart, he is also at Georgia as well. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Georgia flexing about that just a bit, that Alabama in the post-Kirby Smart era has found defensive success a lot harder to come by. And yes, they have covered all of that up by being the most dominant offensive program that we've seen in recent years. Uh, certainly, there's no disputing that. But boy, there's no free lunch in life, right? Everything comes with the trade-off. And the trade-off for Alabama, as they've scored points and produced wide receivers and produced quarterbacks, is the, the physicality that, that good teams used to be known for. That Alabama, in the greatest years for Saban prior to the last few, the, the physicality that Alabama used to be known for, it's kind of gone away. It's kind of disappeared, right? It's not there the way that it once was. And Georgia is putting that on display. And listen, there's no doubt there is still a responsibility for Georgia to finish this season, a season that could still include nine more games. There's no doubt that Georgia's got a responsibility to finish this season the way that it started. 
But it's also not inappropriate for us as a show, for the collection of Dog Nation, those who care about UGA football and follow it closely. It's not inappropriate for us to notice what's happening right now. That Kirby Smart, the, the once great recruiter for Alabama, the once tireless worker who helped Alabama get all those five-star guys, now he's doing that work for his alma mater. And suddenly there's a transformation taking place at Georgia that suddenly makes, as an anonymous coach told Matt Hayes and Saturday Down South of the Way, makes it more possible for Kirby Smart to finally beat Nick Saban, maybe this December, maybe it happens in January, but or maybe it happens both, December and January, but to finally beat Nick Saban using the style that Nick Saban once made famous. And boy, don't you know that sting for Saban if that was true. Saban's been walking around talking about how much the sport has changed. Ah, you can't. You know, uh, you do it with defense anymore. Right now, Georgia's doing it pretty well. Maybe it's actually Alabama that can't do it with defense anymore because the guy that helped them collect all that elite talent and the guy who helped deploy that elite talent in such a high way to the tune of a, a 2011 defense that's d- described as the best ever. Maybe the reason why you can't do it with defense anymore is because the guy that helped you do that's now working against you there at Georgia. And yes, up until now, Kirby Smart has not been able to topple his old boss, Nick Saban, in Alabama. That's certainly true. No one can dispute that. But it's also been, as he had simultaneous to that, uh, as Smart has been building up the Georgia program, creating it in his image the way that he kind of wants it to be. And boy, you got to imagine that for Smart, who's had very strong opinions, very strong ideas about what college football is supposed to be, you got to imagine what he sees on the field right now. And 2021 for Georgia, potentially even the greatest defense of all time. You got to imagine this is working out pretty closely the way that Smart would have initially had it all planned. Now, this is also a reason with all of this why we have been saying we're mostly having fun with this. This is just kind of the 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 stuff that we do for fun. But this is also why we've been making such a push now for a while that there ought to be some recognition at the end of the season for how good Georgia's defense is right now. That in a year in which really no offense has stepped up and dominated as of yet. No quarterback has really taken the reins of this season the way that maybe a Trevor Lawrence once would have or a Joe Burrow once would have or maybe even a Mac Jones once would have. That the most important storyline of the first half of the regular season, which kind of officially concluded uh, this past Saturday, and I guess for Georgia will unofficially conclude this Saturday as it gets ready to go into a bye week, that the most important storyline of this first half of the regular season has been the performance of the Georgia defense. We said, you know, if that's going to be true, there ought to be some sort of acknowledgement for that. Even though the Heisman Trophy is going to become a quarterback's award and certainly an offensive player's award, you know, in a time like this, at least getting a Georgia guy to New York City as a representation for everything that Georgia's doing defensively just seems to be more appropriate to do. And so we started the hashtag up. How about hashtag JD to NYC? We picked Jordan Davis in particular because there's already a little bit of steam out there for Davis in regards to all of this. He seems to be the perfect picture of the team first attitude that Georgia has defensively. You can make a case. Other Georgia players have better statistics and therefore maybe even more important. You could at least make the argument for that. It would be a reasonable one. But Davis has a symbolic value to Georgia. His willingness to forego his own stats to help others collect them, his words, which are always so carefully chosen, his decision to come back to Georgia this year, propelling UGA to an even different level defensively than otherwise would have been. There's just a symbolic value to what Davis provides for UGA. So we said, hey, to the extent that we have any influence whatsoever, let's have some fun with this. Let's see if we can get Georgia fans behind this. Hashtag JD to NYC. And I got to tell you, The train has left the station. People are having a great time with this. We ran through a bunch of these yesterday. Let me run through another crop today of people who are really out there pushing that JD to NYC. Because here's what's going to happen. The more Georgia fans notice this, 
the more national media is going to take note of what Georgia fans themselves are also talking about. And watch this over the course of the next couple of weeks. Watch how this emerges, where it's been kind of a fringe topic of a few analysts here and there. But the more and more that Georgia fans talk about this, watch the way that even bigger names, bigger platforms, larger audiences, watch the way more and more people become aware of this as time goes by. So let's roll through a few of these, and we're just flat out giving attention to the Georgia fans who are bringing this uh, up on social media because we want more people to notice it. Matthew Barman says if Georgia, uh, Jordan Davis is the face of the UGA defense, N'Kobe Dean might be the brain, Jalen Carter might be the heart, but Davis getting to New York City would truly be special. And I agree with Matthew on that. Uh, that's why we're doing this. Keith Finney used the hashtag JD to NYC, and the, uh, he added the Heisman Trophy on that. He uh, reached out to ESPN on that. So he's pushing that to the, to the accounts that matter. You love to see Keith Finney doing that, and I'm glad that he did. Brian Garrett says, something to think about. How much fun would it be to see Jordan Davis one day in one of those funny Heisman House commercials with all those quarterbacks and running backs? I think that'd be great to see, Brian. I think that's a, a really good thing to bring up there. Our buddy Mad Dog, who's always so good at this kind of stuff, the popular meme of Kirby Smart's son holding up the sign, Jordan Davis pointing with him, and now it says hashtag JD to NYC. Really good stuff from Mad Dog. That's exactly the kind of social media presence we need to see this this campaign, this hashtag have. I'd love to see Mike Mad Dog doing that. Our buddy Sugar Ray also gives you Jordan Davis walking out the field, Heisman Trophy in hand saying he is exactly who we thought he was. Sugar Ray, I appreciate you doing that. We have a couple more to show you here there as well. Uh, Byron Robinson, by the way, to his credit, called this back in September. He says, hear me out, and he added Dog Nation on this. How about Jordan Davis as a Heisman candidate? So credit to Byron for being kind of in on the ground floor on this. And our buddy uh, Miriam Martin Corbin, Georgia girl on Twitter, says, Jordan Davis for Heisman. Nobody can argue. He's the face of Georgia's amazing defense. He's a stellar athlete, a leader, and a first-round pick. No doubt, she says, hashtag JDNYC. That's the last one, correct? Uh, really, really good stuff. So we're going to keep this hashtag going, hashtag JDNYC. Davis as the representation of what has been an amazing team performance for this Georgia defense. The uh, incredible stats that he's put up, uh, the defense has put up all around all 11 guys and kind of cool to see an analytic site, even not necessarily of a, a, a football bent, but just, you know, kind of a math oriented site, noticing the success of the Georgia defense there as well. Truly right now, something to celebrate. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast uh, for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 9.45 in the morning for our first and 15 at dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. Just a way of saying thank you for helping us roll the show out on those platforms and have such great success launching new platforms and a little bit of extra content as a way of saying thanks to you for that. It's also a great chance for us to interact together there as well. So if you check us out sometimes for our cool down after the show, check us out before the show as a part of First and 15. I'd really appreciate that. Obviously, I'm incredibly grateful as well to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make all of this possible. They're your source for Georgia divorce. And listen, we have a great time talking college football here on this show, whether it's Jordan Davis to the Heisman, whether it's Georgia defense arguably being maybe the best ever, at least making a push for that. Those are all really fun discussions to have. What is a less pleasant discussion, unfortunately, but also a reality is that many of the people in our audience and an audience the size of ours, just statistically speaking, a lot of you either have experienced divorce, will experience divorce, you're concerned that might be the next step in the relationship you're in right now, and I understand your concerns on that. It can be a scary and confusing process. I won't deny that. 
But here's what I can also say, and I believe this emphatically, that for the questions you have about the divorce process, whether it's even right for you, maybe the most important question of all, uh, you've got questions my friends at Merriweather and Tharp have answered. There's no hesitation in my voice whatsoever about telling you to reach out to them because they're going to talk to you about your situation, the specific circumstances that you're dealing with, and they're going to explain all of your options to you in a way that I think it's going to be easy for you to understand, in a way that you can get clarity about your next steps, whatever they might be. And they've been doing this for thousands of people, right? They've done this thousands and thousands of times. And a lot of this, they just kind of give away for free right there on their own website, blog posts and podcasts and all those kinds of things to help you understand what the divorce process is like, how the law specifically impacts you, what it can mean for your finances, what it can mean for your relationship with your children, all of those things. Mary Wooden Tharp knows how weighty of a discussion this is, and they take it very seriously. They're fun people. We've hung out a million times. By the way, I should also give a quick shout out here. Uh, one of the partners there, Bob Tharp, I think he also celebrated a birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to Bob on that. And uh, as I said before, they're fun people. They love having fun. We've had plenty of fun over the course of the years for sure. But they're also serious about this uh, subject there as well. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com, Meriwether and Tharp, your source for George Divorce. Make sure you check them out today. It is Terrence Edwards coming up in just a moment. So much to talk to Terrence about. We'll get his thoughts on the game against Kentucky. I'll get some thoughts from him on what he's seen from Oscar Delp, the UGA commit from yesterday. Also, big breakout performances from the Georgia wide receivers. We'll talk to Terrence about that coming up a little bit, too. Before that, though, let me give you my own thoughts on Delp here for a moment as we go around the doghouse. Presented today by our friends at ServePro. And, you know, we talked on yesterday's show that Georgia's pitch to Delp and the way in which Georgia recruited Oscar Delp because I think most of us felt pretty good that George was in a pretty good spot with Delp going into that announcement yesterday, that most of us, when you looked in on that, I think you were forced to notice that Georgia as a program is just in a different kind of position they would have been in the past, where we said that if you had elite offensive talent you're going after, you had to maybe say to them, hey, once we have you, we're going to use you. And the reason why we're not kind of doing these things offensively right now is because we don't have a player as good as you to be able to use. Well, that's not really the case at Georgia anymore. If you're if you're Oscar Delp, you can see the way in which a freshman tight end Darnell Washington was used in 2020, especially the second half of the season. You can see the way in which Brock Bowers has been used thus far this season. All of a sudden, you don't have to use your imagination. Anybody who's ever been like a home remodel or something like that will tell you the people notoriously have pretty bad imaginations. You walk into a fixer-upper type home and – you talk about all the things that can be done, even if you watch a thousand hours of HDTV, most people just can't really imagine how a home could be different. All they see is the structure that's currently in place. And I think sometimes recruits might be the same way, that it's just sort of hard to imagine how you'll be used in an offense that's not currently using someone like you in that same way. And you want to eliminate that as an objection. You want to eliminate that as a, as a, you know, a, a, restriction on on recruiting you want to be able to demonstrate how good players can be used by using the good players that you have and that is really what Georgia has been doing thus far this season which makes the recruitment of Delp I believe for UGA much easier in fact Delp yesterday in talking to Jeff Sintel about why he chose Georgia mentioned Bowers by name and mentioning that track record of recent success with tight ends specifically is one of the reasons why he chose UGA and if you're a Georgia fan and want to see that recruiting pipeline stay open with more big recruiting wins, guys like Delp saying things like this on the day that he picks the dogs, I mean, I think it all sounds really good to your ears. Here's Oscar Delp from yesterday. I mean, it really just came down to 
where I'm going to get developed the most and uh, have the, the best opportunity to make a name for myself and really kind of get the ball. And uh, I think that uh, Georgia has developed offensive line, developed defense, and every every week in practice I'm really going to be uh, getting reps against the best players in the country, and I think it's really going to make me a better player in the long run. And uh, kind of I love what they're doing with Bowers so far this year and uh, how they're going to use us together in the future I think is really going to be a cool thing. I mean, how many times have you heard Kirby Smart's comments about this? Hey, we want great tight ends. We want to put them on the field together. He said that last year. Uh, he talked about that uh, a lot this season. You know, Todd Munkin's shown a willingness to do this. Georgia played three tight ends together a decent amount against Auburn on Saturday. Bauer sees all that. I should say Delp sees all that. He sees the success that Brock Bowers is having, and he says, that can be me. Delp expects it to be him, expects to have that same kind of success. Todd Hartley, the Georgia tight ends coach right now, is really on a pretty unprecedented run in terms of attracting that great tight end talent to UGA, and the results on the field no doubt make that a lot easier. Yesterday was a day for Georgia fans to celebrate. A very good prospect was added to the 2022 class, and in the way in which the Munkin offense is working right now, it becomes easier to imagine that Delp, made a good choice, and that when he steps on that college field starting next season, he's in a program that definitely knows how to utilize his skill and his talent. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And listen, as a homeowner, one of the worst things that you can deal with is any kind of damage, right? And for a homeowner, oftentimes this is caused by fire. It's caused by water intrusion. And listen, that can be awful, right? You look at your home and you think it'll never be the same way again. And that's not just a financial situation, right? That's also... Uh, that's an emotional thing there as well. When you see the place that you've called home that makes you feel comfortable and safe and secure, when you see it destroyed, when you see it messed up, that's that's not a great thing to deal with. We, under, we understand all that. But that's where my friends at ServPro step in there as well because they are restoration specialists. What that means is for any kind of damage your home may have experienced, as I said, commonly fire, water, you know, things along those lines, ServPro and its restoration specialists can step in and fix your home, repair your home, get it back the way it used to be. They can make it be literally like it never happened, like it was brand new, the way that it was when you found it. That is exactly what ServPro has been doing for folks for such a long time. Their franchises are all independently owned and operated as well, which means you really get the best of both worlds, right? You get what ServPro has been providing for so many people for so many years, but also that locally family-oriented service that ServPro is famous for there as well. So if you've, deal, if you've dealt with this around your home, if you're dealing with that right now, my invitation to you is check out my friends at ServPro. Easy to find online. It's ServPro.com. That's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. You can find them today and check them out. Let their restoration specialists go to work for you on the damage to your home and put it back together like it literally never happened. Check out ServPro today. All right, I told you, before we are done on today's program, there is one concern I have for Georgia against Kentucky. I'll lay it out and let you decide for yourself if it's a concern for you there as well. We will do that before we're done. But for now, more on Delp, the game against the Wildcats on Saturday, the breakout performances from Georgia's young wide receivers. So much to celebrate and talk about there. Let's do it with a great voice. It is Terrence Edwards, the former Georgia wide receiver, joining us here on Dog Nation Daily right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, Terrence, I 
was just talking about Oscar Delp, and I want to get an opinion from you on Delp here in a moment. Before that, though, let me just kind of look at the game itself against Kentucky on Saturday because I really haven't done that too much in today's show as of yet. Another big showcase for Georgia. It's you know CBS 3.30. It's ESPN game day on hand once again. Kentucky's undefeated. What are your expectations for this game this Saturday? What have you seen from the Wildcats, if anything? Uh, truthfully, I haven't seen a lot of their games. I've t- caught bits and pieces of it, but from what I've been hearing and reading, uh, they have a really good offensive line. I know uh, Coach Stoops is a really good uh, football coach. Uh, he's actually done great things there at Kentucky and their football program. So he does have this uh, U.K. program and going in the right direction. Um, and I expect to be a, a really good game. Do I expect uh, Georgia to win? Yes. Do I think Kentucky is talented as Georgia? No. But when you have guys that really buy into your head coach and to your positional coaches, they go and play above their head. So they're been they're playing very very well, and I expect a very good football game. But I, I just think Georgia is just the more talented team and will come out with a win. I think one of the things that's interesting to me about Kentucky right now is it's a little bit of a program and transition in that, as you said before, they've been known for good offensive lines for kind of a long time. They kind of go into that southern Ohio, Cincinnati area, and they recruit a lot of guys there. Lexington's fairly close to that part of the world, and that's a place that produces offensive linemen. So they've had kind of a pipeline for offensive line recruits for a while, plus Mark Stoops is just kind of a physically-minded football coach, so that works out pretty well. They've got a good running back, and Chris Rodriguez, it seems like Kentucky a lot of times will have pretty good running backs. But they also want to be more than that. They've brought in a new offensive coordinator who's trying to run kind of one of these very fashionable offenses, and you know, Will Levis, a quarterback, is is I think an upgrade of what they've had in the at that position. But it's one of those things that's kind of a work in progress. It's almost like a, a, a structure that's currently being built. It's not fully filled out yet. They're kind of stuck between the ground-and-pound style they used to be and maybe the more up-tempo, high-powered passing attack that they're striving to be, and they're kind of in between that right now. That, I think, is one of the interesting things about Kentucky is they've made some plays through the air this year, more than we're typically used to seeing them make, but certainly not consistent in that regard just yet. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think they have that. The running back is from Georgia, if I'm not believing. Mm-hmm. He's a really big kid that's a, a ground and pound guy that can actually move the pile just with his physicality. But they also have a playmaker on the side. And I can't remember the man, young man's name. He went to Nebraska originally, then transferred to Kentucky. I think he's number one, and he's very dynamic with the ball. So they try to get the ball in his hands. Um, in space in all type of ways. I mean, against the Florida game, and he took a couple of screens and got big plays off of it. So they have some playmakers on offensive side. Uh, you know, defense has always had a guy that could worst the passes. I think the last few years they had two guys that went in the first round that was defensive uh, linebackers, outside pass rush, edge guys. So, uh, like you said, I think that Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky area is, is known for their offensive line, and, and Coach Stoops is a hard-nosed football coach, so he brings that mentality to this team. Uh, just the difference in you know the Georgia and the Kentucky is we're too deep. I just think they're one deep and just not uh, as talented enough or as deep enough just yet. But I think Coach Stoops have done a great job with building this program to where they're at today. So I want to ask you about Oscar Delp. Georgia got him yesterday. It was really nice to hear Delp say, hey, when I see how Brock Bowers is currently being used in this Georgia offense, it becomes easy for me to imagine how I could be used as well. That's the kind of thing, Terrence, I think Georgia fans have been wanting to hear for a long time. 
playmakers being used, future playmakers saying, okay, just slot me into that spot and I'll do some of those same things next year as well. That's the way you get that offensive recruiting pipeline really pumping is when you have results with your lead prospects and future prospects take notice of that. What have you seen from Delp as a player? What do you think George is getting here? Uh, he's getting a, another big wide receiver that's in a tight end spot. I've had opportunity to work with Oscar a, a few times, and he's just he's just in a tight end's body, but his mindset, his mind frame is of a wide receiver. He will get in and block and, and get dirty, but uh, if you watch how West Forsyth use him, he's on the outside a lot. And uh, I think that's what Brock did after I evaluated his film. Uh, and that's what Oscar, so they're in the same mold. Uh, Oscar probably not as fast as Brock, but he is a guy that is a going to be another weapon that uh, Coach Munkin can use in, in the tight end room. And if you look at the tight end room for next year, man, you're going to have Oscar, Brock, and uh, Darnell. I don't know if any team can say they had that type of talent at one position, at the tight end position. Uh, in Georgia history, I can't think of anyone else in the SEC since I've been paying attention. That room would be definitely be a uh, positional of strength. And it's kind of fascinating to me because when you think about Todd Hartley, the tight ends coach, Terrence, I sort of think of the tight end coaching job as being, from a recruiting standpoint, one of the most difficult because you're signing a lot fewer tight ends than you're going to sign receivers, defensive backs, positions like that. So you may only get one scholarship allotted to your position group for one class, and that means you got to decide, okay, am I going to go after the biggest and best name? And that's typically what Hartley has done, and he's won so many of these battles, whereas – you know, if if South Carolina makes an effective push for Delp, if they win that, then all of a sudden now you're kind of behind the eight ball with any other tight end you want to you want to go out there and, and and recruit. But Hartley over and over again has chosen to set his heights high. He has seemingly developed great bonds and great relationships with these guys. If you're making a list right now of the Georgia assistants who've done the best in recruiting, Georgia doesn't sign as many tight ends. No program does as it does at some of the other positions. But, boy, when it comes to a batting average of signing elite prospects, Hartley, man, he's doing it as well as anybody, it seems like. Oh, most definitely. If you ever met Coach Hartley, you can understand why. He's a, a young, energetic, fun guy, and he's, he's a great coach. So if you've ever been to Georgia and watched his positional group and watch him coach, he's a fiery guy that you would run through a wall for, and he can relate to the kids. Um, that's why he's getting all the guys that he, he wants and getting the top guys. Uh, I mean, he's he's a great access access to the program, and uh, I think he's going to continue to get the guys he wants, especially if Coach Monken and, and the Bulldogs continue to uh, put the tight ends in position to succeed. I mean, you look at it, what other tight end can take a jet sweep to the house? I mean, yeah. they find ways to get their playmakers the ball, and that's, that is a sign of a great coach. Or you, you find ways to get your, your guys the ball in, in position to succeed. You see a lot more practice than I have. At least you've seen a lot more practice. You go to full practice. You see the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces of practice here and there. But when I have seen these practices, Terrence, you mentioned the the you know, kind of the attitude that Hartley brings to the table. He's always one of the most energetic, one of the most noticeable assistant coaches. And the practices that I've seen, I mean, he's as loud as vocal as anybody. There's always going to be multiple styles amongst Georgia coaches. You know, I would think of Del McGee as a little bit more laid back on the practice field. Sam Pittman was always a lot more laid back when I saw him as Georgia's offensive line coach. There are a few guys, though, who are on much the other end of the spectrum. They're not laid back at all. They're very aggressive. They're very loud. They're bouncing around all over the place. And Hartley, for me, was always 
way on the other side of one of the guys that you step on the practice field for two seconds, you're just going to notice him right away because he was going to be bouncing around and yelling and getting guys fired up. That's just kind of what his, at least to my eyes, that's what his on practice field demeanor has been. Oh, most definitely. I mean, if you, you watch practice, once he touched those white lines, it's nonstop with him. Yeah. Uh, I've watched a lot of practice, and, and each coach is different. Uh, coach Pittman was more laid back. Um, you didn't hear him very much. Uh, to, to James Coley, Coach Coley was another energetic guy, and you could, with his different style of voice, you can hear him over everyone. He was a fiery guy. Uh, so there are different styles. Uh, like you say, Coach McGee is, is not a very loud coach, but he gets his points across his way. And I think Coach uh, Smart has really assembled a, a very unique and different type of staff that's, uh, that, that gets to the kids, and the kids love playing for these coaches. And you can see that with, with Lad scoring that touchdown and him and Coach Hankin doing the windmill dunk. Oh, yeah. Man, those, these, they, these kids just love these coaches, and I think Coach Smart has really hit on uh, his positional coaches and his coordinators. I want to talk to you more about these receivers in a moment. Let me also remind folks that coming up next Saturday, that's the bye week for Georgia, there's a really fun opportunity to get involved with some great Georgia autograph guests. This is going to be a huge event. It's with our friends, our friends at Sports Addiction. If you go to Dog Nation right now, the top of the page, you can learn all about this, what you get a chance to see here. I'm talking about it's big names. It's JT Daniels, it's Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Kendall Milton, all going to be signing autographs in Marietta, Georgia. That's Saturday, October 23rd. Uh, that's the bye week. That's a a little bit more than a week from right now from where I'm sitting, uh, a week from Saturday, October 23rd, Daniels, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Kendall Milton. You can get a super ticket. Now, if you want the JT Daniels autograph, you get the super ticket, and uh, you can get everybody else autographed there as well. So when you click into the opportunity, you can learn more about this and figure out which ticket option is the right one for you. But it's an amazing autograph opportunity with some of the biggest, most sought-after names connected to Georgia football, including quarterback JT Daniels. That's next Saturday, October 23rd. So the easiest thing to tell you to do, maybe to go to dognation.com and see more about this. You can also go to sports-addiction.net. That's the website that takes you directly there to it, sports-addiction.net. Or top of the page, Dog Nation, you can't miss it. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, JT Daniels. Kendall Milton, maybe uh, Jordan Davis even put a JD to NYC uh, inscription on your autograph. Maybe. I don't know if he'll do that or not. Uh, you can ask him and see. Uh, but nonetheless, big, big autograph signing next Saturday going down with Sports Addiction, dognation.com, right at the top of the page for more details on that. All right, uh, Terrence, we were talking about wide receivers a moment ago. How about the success that Georgia had on Saturday? We've talked right now a lot about Ladd McConkey, obviously, and we should keep talking about it because he's having that kind of amazing breakout season here. But A.D. AD Mitchell on Saturday wasn't far behind on that either. He was a big part of what Georgia did. Both these guys were relatively unheralded as recruits and yet really critically important for Georgia right now. You know, how much do you enjoy seeing that? And I guess it's also appropriate to ask, where would Georgia be without them, given all the injuries that Georgia's had at wide receiver? How fortunate is UGA to have Mitchell and, and, and McConkey providing what they're providing right now? Uh, you just think about it. You think about two guys that would be backups if everyone was healthy, and they're going out displaying their talent that everyone can see. That's how deep that that room is. You got Lad, and I've been, everyone knows me, I've been trying to tell people about Lad for a while, and once I went to practice, I saw A.D. Mitchell, I've been telling people about him as well. So this is not a surprise to me what they're doing. 
Um, what is surprising is the talent level in this room is just off the charts. When your guys who who would be backups, if the guys that are starters would be healthy, these would be your backups, and your backups are doing this well. So imagine once you get the, the guys back who was uh, penciled in to be starters, once you get them back healthy, the Jermaine Burton, the uh, Marcus St. Brunt. So you get those guys back. Kier Jackson's almost say he's almost 100%. Now you got a full stable of wide receivers that now you just can't game plan for one. I mean, I, I text Lad the other day, so I FaceTimed him after the game. I just told him, thank you for making me look good because I'm going to continue <laughs> to praise you and, and talk talk about you, and you're going out proving exactly what I said about you. You're showing the world now what you could do. And uh, Just imagine when you have a full stable of guys that can help you win and, and can move the chains and score touchdowns for anyone on the on the field. Coach Mike is going to have a stable of guys to get the ball to, and as a coordinator, that should be fun. Let me squeeze in one more thing before we let you go. There's been a lot of chatter about what Georgia should do with its quarterback position. JT Daniels is working his way back to health. Seems like he's still been somewhat limited in practice. My assumption is as long as that's true, we're not going to really see much of Daniels, if at all, on the football field. But there's also some people out there that are saying, with Stetson Bennett playing as well as he is right now, that maybe you don't have to rush JT Daniels back because of what you're getting from Bennett here at the time. What is your opinion on all of this and how you think the quarterback situation either will play out or how you think it should play out in the uh, time to come? Well, that's why Kirby makes what he makes because he's going to actually have a hard decision on his hand. Uh, I think JT Daniels is the better passer. Uh, I think uh, Stetson is a guy that can move around with his legs, as, as we've seen. But if JT doesn't play against Kentucky and, and, and Stetson plays as well as he's been playing, they really going to have to have a decision on what they're going to do. Uh, a few weeks ago, I would have said, without a shadow of a doubt, JT gets back in there. But if we continue to play like we played against Auburn, uh, it's going to be a tough decision. And uh, as a player in that locker room, it's probably it, it, it will probably be split. I mean, I want JT, but that's it. So Coach Kerb, Coach Smart is really going to have to really do a, a good job of smoothing this over and, and playing the best guy, whoever that best guy is, whoever gives who he feels gives us the best chance, he's going to have to go with that. And the team will see and notice and think who's that best guy. Uh, so it's going to be a tough decision. But if JT, and, so if, if JT can't play or uh, he's still not healthy enough, I say roll with, with the steps until he gets 100% healthy and make a decision then. No, I think that's really well said, Terrence. I, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you being here today. And I want to remind folks that you've said before you did some work with Oscar Delp. You've done some great stuff with uh, Lad McConkey and uh, a lot of the other players that we were watching on TV on Saturdays. You've had an impact on their career, and a lot of guys who are doing big things on Friday nights right now, you've done that as well. So I want to invite folks who want to catch the football better, who want to be better receivers, better tight ends, better whatever, I want to remind them to uh, reach out to you at your wide receiver academy. How can they – uh, get in touch with you and be a part of what you're doing. Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. And just for the record, my Twitter was hacked last weekend. So if you didn't see me tweet, that was why. But I got it back uh, a couple of days ago. So, so I, I got to ask about this because I did. I don't mean to keep you long, Terrence, because I know we've taken a lot no, of your time. Fine. I, I got to ask about this. I did see that. How did you get it? How did you get it back? Because um, like uh, like it, to me, it seemed like it happened all overnight, and by the morning, it was kind of back. Because I saw that thing got took over by whatever, 
And after a few hours, you kind of had it back. How did you get it back after it got hacked? So it, 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 it was a few days. I just reported it to Twitter, okay. and they actually got it back uh, within a few days. And uh, I was upset because I, I couldn't tweet during the games. And with Lad doing what he was doing, I couldn't praise him at that time. So I was, I was lost, as these kids say, because I was just so excited for Georgia yeah. football to appear to go down to Auburn, which I consider in my mind is, is one of the biggest rivals between Georgia, Florida, and Georgia Tech. I, to me personally, Auburn is, is that one for me. Uh, so I, I was excited to uh, see all guys play the way they play, and I couldn't tweet about it. But yes, I did get hacked. And I got it back after a few days and still working the kinks out right now. Well, listen, I'm just glad you got it back because we got to have your voice on those game days, Terrence. We got to be able to hear from you on that. Right. Well, I do have it back. So anyone can tweet me at Terrence at Wide Receiver Academy. All right, Terrence, great stuff. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, like that hacking on Twitter is a real thing, man. That's That's happening. More and more, it seems like a lot of a lot of players have gotten caught up in that, right? You, you kind of notice that. Um, uh, sometimes I think you what it would be a couple of elected officials that have kind of run into this too. So uh, some of that stuff is tough, man. Uh, you got to be careful out there these days. It seems like anyway. Uh, good stuff from Terrence Edwards. He used a word that I think is really important, and the word he used was split. He said, "Oh, you got to be careful about when it comes to quarterback situation. You don't create a split." Some players want this quarterback. Some players want that quarterback. It's it's one of the reasons why a lot of folks are down on Lincoln Riley right now because of how he's handling his situation, the secrecy that he's trying to conjure up when it comes to not letting Caleb Williams be interviewed on the, I guess it was the ESPN broadcast last week after their win against Texas and the degree to which he's trying to keep the inner workings of practice this week a, a secret. I won't get into like the media back and forth on that. I'll leave that to the big J's. But um when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to like Riley's own role and Riley's own role in this, I do kind of understand why you want to be careful with this. One, that's the motivation you have as a coach because of the word that Terrence just used, the notion that there's a split. Some receivers maybe want to catch the ball from this guy. Other guys think they're getting the ball better from this guy, or you know, defensive guys have an opinion on all this, or. You know, who's practicing the best, who's out there, whatever. You know, whatever intangible thing kind of shows up on all this. As, as, as Terrence said, that's why coaches get paid the big bucks. Now, I don't think that Georgia is likely heading for anything all that controversial involving Daniels and, and, and Bennett, thankfully. I think the Caleb Williams-Spencer Rattler thing may turn out to be a lot more controversial in Norman, Oklahoma, for a ton of other reasons. But, but you do understand that, that – this is not fantasy football. This is not pick the 11 best, most talented players and go out there and just start, you know, wrecking the league with those guys. That you do have to give consideration to how human beings interact with each other. And college football is really hard. The, the thing that you have to do in practice is just such a great challenge. The, the, the physical toll it takes on your body is such a great challenge. And that physical toll turns into an emotional, spiritual, mental toll there as well so how guys interact with each other does matter and when you think about quarterback stuff you're making a decision about a lot more than just who's playing the best or has the potential to play the best you have to think about how the other 84 guys on scholarship interact with that guy that you choose to be your starting quarterback interesting stuff from terrence edwards on that let me also say this let's go cruise around the sec here courtesy of our friends at royal caribbean and one of the things that makes me so happy right now 
is the idea that Royal Caribbean is back on the waters again, ships sailing all across the Caribbean and everywhere else. And if you haven't made your plans yet to get back on a ship or maybe go on a cruise for the very first time, now is the time to do it. And my recommendation to you is this, because of the feedback that I'm getting all the time, there is really no better thing for your first cruise than to take advantage of Perfect Day Coco Cay. Because what's cool is it's a part of so many different Royal Caribbean sailings, but it's also a part of uh, a big part of a lot of the shorter sailings there as well. Think about like Mariner of the Seas. Mariner of the Seas is a uh, beautiful ship that sails out of Port Canaveral right there, just a short drive from where I am here in Atlanta. And a lot of their three and four night sailings on um, uh, one of their on, on the beautiful Mariner of the Seas takes you to Perfect Day Coco Cay. That's a part of the itinerary there. And you can experience all the things that Perfect Day Coco Cay has to offer for you, whether it be the 450-foot helium balloon, tallest water slide in uh, North America. Uh, you've got the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas, those floating cabanas. And Mariner of the Seas, one of the ships that get you there, is recently amplified there as well. So it's nicer, better, cooler than ever before. Some great onboard amenities there for you that there too. So if you haven't taken the cruise vacation before, I would recommend... You know, try one of those three or four night sailings. Go out of Port Canaveral. Go on Mariner of the Seas. Be a part of Perfect Day Coco Cay and experience what so many others have experienced and why so many others, after they do their first one, are looking to go back again and again and again. And if obviously you're doing this for the very first time, it's important to have experts helping you with all this. That's why I want you to check out my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. A couple of uh, dog alumni run run it. They are also experts in the uh, cruise world, including getting you on the best Royal Caribbean ship for you. So you can find out more about the Cruise and Vacation Authority and get some special Dog Nation offers there as well. Go to TCAVA.com. That's TCAVA.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right, a couple of other stories for SEC through here real quick. I saw where Jimbo Fisher was talking about the possibility of a trap game at Missouri on Saturday. I think the problem here is Missouri is probably not good enough to make it a trap game for Texas A&M. But that A&M-Missouri game is uh, a little bit like what um, a lot of other SEC games feel like this weekend where you got to be really careful getting too confident about one side or the other on either pick. I think that A&M is probably not going to have the letdown against Missouri. We'll make our official picks on this tomorrow, both as a part of of our BetUS Best Bets, but also uh, Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews uh, on video Friday afternoon. But to give you an, an early lean and where I'm thinking about on A&M, I just don't think Missouri's good enough right now to really threaten here. I, I don't think Missouri's good enough right now to take advantage of what might be a typically flat spot for A&M. A&M is good at running the football. Missouri can't stop the run. I think all that sets up pretty well for the Aggies right there. But Obviously, Alabama-Mississippi State's a little bit more of a swing game. It seems easy to think that Alabama just shakes off the loss and gets right back on the horse against Mississippi State. Be careful there, though. Be careful than an Alabama team that's been a little bit difficult to predict this year. And kind of on and on you go about that. I also want to mention this. So yesterday we talked about a little bit of an eye-opening, and we did some of this on SEC Country Live, too. We talked about a little bit of an eye-opening injury situation for LSU. Another big name now out for the season. And I told you on the show that when you hear about Elias Ricks, a player that at one point in time was rumored to be going into the transfer portal, now announcing that he's going to be out for the season with what's been described as a lingering injury and that his family thought the surgery was the right thing for him to do, I'm not going to lie to you. I used that as part of my belief that LSU may have just quit on the season. And that's not a specific criticism of Ricks. That's just a preponderance of evidence thing. Okay, all of a sudden it's Ricks, it's Stingley, it's Keishon Butte, the wide receiver. All these big names are dealing with injuries, and it starts to feel like the opt-out 
thing that happened for LSU last year where, you know, guys like Rick Gilbert were leaving the program. And it just seems like that LSU has dealt with so much of that. You know, Orgeron's biggest problem in a lot of ways is not just the fact that he's losing games, although they're losing way too many of those this year. It's that he's having a hard time keeping players in the program. And I cited Rick's as an example of this yesterday. Fair and balanced, though, here, uh, Elias Rick's mother, Shauna Rick's, has spoken to the athletics, Brody Miller. And I want to make sure I give her quote here because it is in contrast to what I said yesterday. So we're never going to be unfair here. And I want to be uh, I, w- I want to be fair to uh, Miss Ricks here, who says about the Eli Ricks injury and the surgery that this is not an opt out. This is not he's. Th- uh, she says this is not he's going to transfer. So let me let me try to give you context of that quote. This is not her saying that he's going to transfer. She's saying it's not an opt out. It's not it's not a transfer situation. So she's basically like you know saying that Ricks is still pledged the LSU program and still a part of that program, but looking to be out right now because of injury. So we said, hey, is this next big name Ricks added to the rest of the list? More examples of LSU quitting on the season. Ricks' own mother says no, that's not the case. That he's still an LSU guy. He's just going to be injured for right now. Now, that doesn't change my overall opinion on this too much. I think it's going to get ugly for LSU. I think it could be ugly this Saturday at home against Florida. I believe there'll be a lot of empty seats. I think that's you know kind of a problem for LSU, and I don't expect them to play very well there. They're getting very, very thin, and you're not quite sure what the buy-in is. But at least in the case of Ricks, his mother says he's still more a part of that than, uh, than maybe I gave credit for yesterday. I was going to do another story in the SEC. Let's just go ahead and wrap it up for right now. We'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of a Royal Caribbean, because I do want to get our attention back on the Georgia Bulldogs here for a minute on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. And I said this off the top of the program, that when you talk about the Georgia defense maybe being the greatest of all time, that you're obviously contributing to what some people describe as rat poison and what some people say is ah too much praise. That that narrative kind of won't ever fully go away. There's always going to be some concern about that. And I've told you before that I'm a person that came of age as a Georgia fan, child in the 80s, went to high school in the 90s. I'm I'm the kind of person that came of age during the kind of Larry Munson era. You know, Munson was the most influential voice on me that shaped me becoming a Georgia fan to the extent that I am right now. And y'all all remember the way that Larry Munson talked about Georgia football. There were concerns. The opponent was unbeatable. The circumstances were uh, impossible to overcome. That's always what George was kind of facing going into each every game. That was just the theatrical style that Munson had of describing the action. That had influence on me. So as I've told you before, even in a year like this where I think I am justifiably confident in what UGA does on a week-in, week-out basis. There is a part of me that's always going to at least want to consider what could go wrong. What's the thing to worry about when it comes to Georgia on a Saturday? And I'm just going to look for it. It just I can't help it. Uh, I just am going to try to look for it. And sometimes when you look, you do find it. And so for me, and just file this away, maybe you take this seriously, maybe you don't. Uh, I think you have plenty of freedom not to if you don't want to but when I think about my one concern for Saturday I can't quite shake that going into the weekend and it's really not that much to do with the opponent Kentucky and it's not really a suggestion that Georgia's not going to win or not going to win in mostly impressive fashion but once again it's the kind of thing you're forced to think about this will be a Georgia game that leads UGA into an off week before it plays Florida on October 30th And in previous instances under Kirby Smart, there have been six of these because there were two buys in one season back in 2019. 
In previous instances under Kirby Smart, Georgia is 0-6 against the spread going into a bye. Two of those were outright losses. Georgia lost in 2016 to Vanderbilt, one of the worst games in recent Sanford Stadium history before the bye week that season. In 2017, Georgia won easily against Missouri, so maybe you shake it off and say it doesn't really matter, but they technically did not cover the spread against the Tigers that day. And if you remember, the first half was a little closer than maybe a lot of Georgia fans certainly thought it would be. Missouri had a couple of big plays offensively against Georgia there that day. So that was an example of a win, but not a cover. 2018, the game before the bye was at LSU. Georgia was a favorite, and actually a fairly sizable favorite at LSU in that particular Saturday. They lost by 20 points. What, uh, 36-16 was the final score. Then 2019, there were two bye weeks. There was... The game against Notre Dame, which you know maybe you say is the outlier here because Georgia did win against a highly ranked opponent, but Georgia was also favored by about 17 points or so that day and you know had to hold on late just to win. The other game there in 2019 was the guy that you see on your screen for those of you watching video. Remember Mark Stoops in Kentucky coming into Athens in 2019 with the, the rain and the awful offensive performance, and maybe all of that gets excused away by the weather, but boy, I've seen teams play better in the rain than Georgia played there that day. It was 21-0. Georgia won in a shutout. But once again, the overall expectation was certainly higher than what Georgia put together there that day. Then last year in Kentucky, in what might be the nooniest noon start of all time, Georgia won the game 14-3. Kentucky never really threatened. But Georgia also just didn't have a lot of life that day, didn't have a lot of energy. For the most part, I shrug off the the noon doldrums and, and don't really make too much about that. But that day, Georgia seemed to be kind of caught up in that sleepy noon atmosphere there at Kroger Field Commonwealth Stadium. The point is, two outright losses, six instances where Georgia has failed to cover the spread in the smart era going into a bye week. And that's where Georgia finds itself there on Saturday. I think that the point spread here is probably a little too high. 23 and a half, I think, is what I last saw it at at BetUS. My guess is the actual final margin of victory for Georgia on Saturday, it may be a safer pick to say it finishes inside that number more so than outside that number. Now, there's a lot of ways to, to you know, beat Kentucky in a impressive fashion that is just south of the point spread total for Saturday, 24 to 3, or you can think of all the different, you know, uh, point possibilities in your own mind here. But as I said before, I can't quite shake the idea that, man, this is a spot on the calendar, game before the bye, that Georgia's had a little bit of difficulty. And maybe that's connected somehow. Maybe it's not. Georgia's obviously typically trying to get healthy this time of year and maybe trying to give that rest to folks going into an important stretch in November. Maybe that's got something to do with this. Or maybe it's just all random and it doesn't really mean anything. But here's the one thing I will say to kind of put a silver lining back on this, maybe a little bit more of a positive spin back on this. Let's say that's not the case this time. Let's say that Georgia going into a bye week doesn't play around and mess around and underwhelm. Let's say that Georgia comes and blows doors against Kentucky on Saturday, uh, a program that's been at least good enough to keep it close, closer than the experts thought with UGA the last two times they've played. Then it will be another example of something we've seen a lot this year, Georgia showing program growth. I mean, remember, there was a time in which Georgia was thought to have trouble going and playing in SEC West venues. We didn't even talk about that uh, last week going into the game against Auburn. Georgia easily won the game, blew out Auburn in its own stadium. That's the kind of thing that at one point in time we were told Georgia couldn't do. Uh, Georgia can't win these road games in the SEC West. Did that this past Saturday and, and blew out uh, Auburn in the process. I told you a couple of weeks ago, Georgia playing Arkansas, all oh, that kind of reminds me of that, that Notre Dame game in 2019. 
the one where as a big favorite in front of a high crowd, Georgia still struggled to dominate the way that a lot of folks thought they were going to. Yet against Arkansas, they clearly showed total domination to the point of complete annihilation against Arkansas that day. Another chance to show some real, true program growth. On Saturday, another chance here as well. Two outright losses, six instances of failing to cover in the game before a bye. Well, Saturday, Georgia can show, no, that's not a problem for this program anymore. That they can handle Kentucky as easily as experts say they are supposed to. I'm still a little skeptical if it's going to be quite that easy against the Wildcats on Saturday just because that's not quite the way SEC football is designed to be. But nonetheless, it will be a measuring stick to judge just how ready Georgia is for the stretch drive that's on its way. As I wrap up here, let me also remind you about my friends at Marco's Pizza. Of course, football weekend gets going tonight. Pro football will be on high school football tomorrow. Then, of course, Saturdays and Sundays, full on all of that. And you can be full as well, full with some delicious pizza from Marco's Pizza. Think about the golden brown crust, the old world toppings, the three cheeses melted together. Think about the great savings there as well, including a bundle of a large one-topping pizza, a pizza bowl, and cheesy bread, just $21.99. Marco's app, marcos.com for more on that. It also goes great with Halloween as well for those Halloween parties that you're having. And speaking of that, how about a Halloween-themed golden shoe? Uh, here today as well. Somebody shared this with me. Uh, Jeff Prescott says that uh, this house wins the uh, internet and the college football playoff. So for those of you that are listening podcasts, it's all the, like the gravestones of the teams that Georgia will play, the teams that it's already beaten, uh, their logos. Uh, that's really very clever, and I love the uh, SEC themed cemetery there. By the way, can't wait to see the uh, lousy stinking Gators as a part of that Gator Hater countdown. Dogs beat Florida 16 days from now. We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, where we'll take a couple of your uh, comments here. And first of all, we've got a very funny golden shoe submission from Tom Go Dogs on our comment section. I'll show you this on the regular show tomorrow if you watch on video. Um, he gives you the Bo Nix experience. That was kind of a thing that came out of the LSU game where Nix was running around so much. But this Bo Nix experience is... Bo running around, but it's a crying Jordan face. That's really funny by Tom there on that. And uh, OzDog also shares something I think is pretty funny. Or maybe interesting is a better word to use. He says that in it's exciting to realize that in two game day visits, George was at the game day site for the game against Clemson on September 4th and also two weeks ago when Arkansas came to Athens, game day was here there as well. George has only allowed a total of three points in those two games. He says they can continue that trend on Saturday versus Kentucky. I don't quite know how to word this necessarily, but it would be really interesting. Like if you said, okay, what's the minimum number of game day appearances to qualify? Let's say, I mean, how many teams over the years have had at least three game day appearances in a season? Georgia was going to probably end up with more than that before the year's done when you think about postseason and everything else. What's the fewest points allowed for a team with X minimum game day appearances? That's pretty interesting by OzDog there. That's a pretty interesting way to look at all that. A lot of you share with me more of R.J. Young, the Fox analyst who has really touted Jordan Davis as of late, saying the Georgia defense is playing better than any offense in the country. I think he means any defense in the country. Uh, or he's, oh, No, I'm sorry. I think he's what he's saying here is, is that the level of the Georgia defense is exceeding the level of the best offenses right now. He says the best player on that defense is nose tackle Jordan Davis. He says, I don't see why Davis winning the Heisman Trophy isn't an obvious choice. So I'm glad to see RJ kind of out there on that. Maybe we'll bring RJ on the show at some point in time, see if we can help amplify that voice a little bit. 
Uh, Mark Morris also writes in to say that if Stetson Bennett wins us another game, then gives way to JT Daniels, we win it all. Stetson will go down as a legend for Georgia football. He'll be an all-time uh, hero of the first order. Talked about for decades to come, more than just a DGD. I hope that comes to pass. I think that's true. I don't think that in any way uh, you can really underestimate just how valuable Stetson Bennett's been to Georgia. I think it's going to continue on Saturday. And I think one of the things we may talk about on the regular show tomorrow is, you know, I think Saturday provides an interesting kind of test case for Bennett against Will Levis, who's been not great, but also not terrible either. His touchdown passes thrown is in the ballpark of what Matt Corral has provided, and his yards per attempt this season is in the ballpark of what Bryce Young has provided. Like There are a couple of stats that he's produced, some of the most important stats, that are actually within striking distance of the very best quarterbacks in the SEC. It would be pretty telling on Saturday if, from a net perspective, you know what Bennett produces compared to what Georgia allows Levis to produce. It'd be very interesting to see does Bennett go out there knowing that he's playing against Kentucky defense, knowing that Will Levis is playing against the Georgia defense? Does Bennett go out and produce better numbers on Saturday, better numbers than Levis? If so, I think it'd be pretty telling. It'd be pretty telling for what Georgia's chances are of winning with Bennett the more that he plays. And it's not really a, a statement about JT Daniels at all, because as of right now, we don't know when JT Daniels is going to be fully healthy again. We don't know that. It's maybe, maybe soon, but as of right now, that's an unknowable thing. So it's another chance on Saturday to learn what what Bennett's capable of doing. And I think the comparison against Levis is actually a pretty interesting one. By the way, J.T. Marlin checks in. Woodstock Diddy, J.T. Marlin, a reference to the movie Boiler Room. Uh, He says, please stop with the Jordan Davis stuff. There's already an award that he'll win. Nobody outside of the region knows Jordan Davis, and that's what you need uh, for the Heisman. Uh, He says, Anderson or Dean have played better. It's just people love the big guy story. Here's the thing, though is that the reason why you produce a campaign like this is in the hopes of getting people outside the region to know who this is. I mean, that's what this is all about. And if there was a year in which there was an obvious winner, who knows? I mean, my eyes are on Caleb Williams right now because it's not too late to win the Heisman Trophy. And Williams, who stepped in last week for Spencer Rattler and I believe is going to be the starting quarterback against TCU on Saturday and then the rest of the way for Oklahoma, it's not too late for a guy like Williams to emerge in a season when, apologies to Bryce Young or Matt Corral, no one's really stepped to the forefront as of yet. It's not too late for him to do that. I'd say it's also probably not too late for like a C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback either. We may see a true front runner before the season's done. But right now it's time to get in while the getting is good in hyping up a Jordan Davis because as the Fox analyst said a moment ago, as, as of the moment, the stage is open. The stage is open for whoever wants to step up there and take it. And in a weird year, a weird guy getting Heisman hype is just not all that strange, especially when it's a symbolic representation of what the uh, full Georgia defense is doing. Uh, Mike Q says the hashtag is also starting to get some traction, which I love to see. Very, very happy about that. It's all just in fun, right? I mean, it's like we're just having a good time, and that's all this really is. And I'm glad that those of you who join us each and every day kind of get the joke and just kind of know what we're trying to do. We're just trying to we're just trying to have fun and just trying to enjoy what has been a very enjoyable season at this point in time. And I appreciate you being a part of it as a part of our podcast cool down here. So check out RS Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Also check us out on Friday. For those of you that are normally podcast listeners, maybe a video viewer for Go With The Flow on the Dog Nation video channels on Friday. Really fun show with the entire Dog Nation team plus Dari Payro from RS Andrews 
We'll make our picks for the big SEC games the weekend against the spread. One big national game this weekend, too. It's a little bit of a light slate for college football, to be frank. Some pretty good SEC games, but a light slate overall. I think Texas, Oklahoma State, the only top 25 matchup outside the SEC on Saturday. Uh, but an opportunity for gamblers. I also think, from a gambling standpoint, some of the games this weekend are really, really tough. Really tough games in the SEC. Some of the bigger spread games are pretty tough here. So check all of that out. We'll see you back here as well. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp tomorrow. Happy birthday, as I said before, to Bob Tharp, the uh, terrific partner there at Meriwether and Tharp. And we will see you tomorrow, everybody.